Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a community of superhero movie fans, teachers, and students, people looking to discover more about superheroes and the world because both are awesome. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the delightful doctor. <laughs> Dr. Amy Matson-Lotters. And that's all you're getting tonight, folks. <laughs> it's just us. Because SMSP is your premier movie, television, video game, whatever, discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero media. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts and actual experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, or science, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode... girl's not qualified to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Agreed. That's why I've invited her on as a consultant. S.H.I.E.L.D. does it all the time. Technically, Stark's a consultant. And technically, Sky's a member of the Rising Tide. She hacked her RSA implementation. Twice. From a laptop. Imagine what she'll do with our resources. Ah, agent Coulson told us the news. What a wonderful surprise. Isn't it, Fitz? Yeah. No, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's you must surprise. be very excited. Yep. Stave school. Okay, so just sorry. Yeah. We have two kids on this bus who aren't cleared for combat. You're adding a third. At least Fitzsimmons are trained shield scientists. But Sky, you said this was a select team. Assembled to work new cases to protect people. I don't see how letting some hacker tag along. Looking for an objection I haven't already anticipated. I'm calling this, but your frown will be on record. We've been called in to investigate in 084. We all know what that means. Yes, we do. It means we don't know what that means. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. First season. And yes, there will be spoilers. Yes, one of our TV episodes from, let's see here. First season came out in 2013, uh, 2014, something like that. We're playing like catch that. up. Yeah. In his, there was, was it 2014 or 2015 where it was just eight superhero television shows just broke out of the gate you had constantine powers agents of shield arrow flash everything everybody was trying to make money off the superheroes that year because it felt like it was the right thing to do yeah crazy stuff and then everybody got renewed except for constantine which got replaced with supergirl something like that um (laughs) so normally uh we've been trying to get this episode recorded for probably two weeks now um and it's just been a busy time for everyone so busy i don't know what it is um spring spring (laughs) spring coming for me i'm coming to the end of the semester i've got students coming out of my ears oh almost literally yes uh and then but we're here we are here to discuss yes some so some first opinions on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1. Uh, David Kleppi was supposed to be here because he's the buddy I watched all of these with. We went through a ritual, um, but he couldn't make it because there was an incident and he's a CTA. Is that what it is? CA, Community Advisor. Like a like a yeah. DA, like a dorm advisor. Similar thing. Yeah. Um, and so he, last minute, had to dip out. But we share the same opinions. Um, 
in that the first 16 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are so comedically mediocre, in our opinion. Uh, <laughs> they are just network television cash grab is what they are. Uh, Clark Gregg, because he was in the movies, and this cast of colorful characters, and give them all cardboard cutout personalities and watch them work against a nameless villain that we don't even see until episode like 17. Uh, so I didn't like it. And then we made a, there was a bunch of stereotypes. Uh, Grant Ward is a piece of wood uh, in that. Yes. Don't, don't think dirty in that. He just talked like just straight, straight face. He had no emotion. Uh, McNaw was the, the badass. Fitzsimmons were the same character. And, Chloe Bennett, we just like we had a running joke, and this is not against Chloe Bennett because she's she's I'm sure she's a wonderful person, uh, a better actress than those first sixteen episodes made her out to be, because every at the beginning of every episode it would show the little thing at the bottom that just it would just list the cast members right, and the main cast Chloe Bennett would show up every time, and me and David would go, oh man. Chloe Bennett's in this episode. <laughs> like we're disappointed. And we 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 affirm to this day that the show hit a turning point. It got so good as soon as episode 17 where Chloe Bennett got shot and was not in that episode at all. That's when we're like, all right, it got good. Bill Paxton showed up, BJ Britt showed up. We're like, we're in it. This is good to go. Um, but <laughs> Amy, do you do you share a different opinion? On Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? <laughs> Do I share a different opinion on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? You know, I tuned in originally because I wanted to find out how on earth they resurrected Phil Coulson. That's really all I care about when I first started watching this. But then I like Bing Na. And it was nice to see her in something different. Um, Instead of Chun-Li from Street Fighter? Exactly. And, <laughs> uh, and, and the stories, I think you're right about the mediocre thing. They they were all right. It was some a good way to kill time on what is it Tuesday night or Wednesday night whenever they were on and, and it was a good way. Prime to time TV um, for a while and I you know and it was sort of they shared the season with Agent uh, Peggy Carter or they started to the next season anyway and and that you know I don't know it's kind of an interesting way to set it up but those first seventeen episodes you know I think that I quit watching about the time that Bill Paxton came in. Just oh. because I just I gave Shame. up right when they got uh, yeah. there. I think is probably what happened. I've tuned in off and on since, so I kind of have the general gist of what happened after those first episodes. But I, I sort of got lost in that whole Chloe Bennett Sky storyline and what they were doing with it, where it was going. And as you point out, Grant Ward was pretty much just there, although he was awfully pretty. So that worked for me. You know that and, that man does have a fantastic jawline. You no, know, true, very true. So. But yeah, really, I, I tuned in in the beginning to see what happened to Coulson. Um, and I was intrigued by that whole premise of relating to the, the larger movie and that bigger Avengers universe and having that on television. So that's that's why I, I started watching. But yeah, I, I have to agree. They were pretty mediocre for primetime. Uh, well, there was a line where they named a character Scorch, who could shoot fire. And he accidentally goes... Does. As one does. Yes, yes. You know, and he almost lights a person on fire and he goes, oh, you just got scorched. And you go, who wrote that? (laughs) 
Was that you, Tim? Was that you? (laughs) We need to talk. All right. Bill Paxton's going to be coming in here in a couple weeks, and we don't have any of that shit for him. Okay. None of that. (laughs) None of it. No, you just got Paxton. What the hell? None of that. Did you write that again? Oh. We were, we were, yeah, we were pretty disappointed. And then just name drops and small mixtures. Like when it crossed over with Thor, it played like clips from Thor Dark World and just like they were cleaning up after it. And you're going, "Ah, unless Sif is actually going to show up, which she did later, don't even mention Thor. Don't care. Unless, unless you're going to get Zachary Levi to come on over um, or Ray Stevenson as Volstag to show up. I don't even want to see it. Or for that matter, why not Chris Hemsworth? Come on. Well, yeah, they haven't. Yet, I, they have yet to land a big star to show up on the show. The closest they got was Jamie Alexander as Sif. Yeah. Well, Colby Smulders as Maria Hill, but I mean, she didn't even play a pivotal role in the episode. She just said a few lines. And wandered oh. away. Yeah. I take that back. They did manage to get Samuel Jackson for two episodes. So, oh, kudos. yeah, I do. I do remember that because he had um, to explain himself in the Colson thing. Yeah. That was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Right. Okay. Yes. Sometimes I get confused, and I think that's part of the, the movie. The, well, I well, no, I just think that's part of the 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 um, sort of saturation effect we're getting with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. If you've seen all of the films, if you've seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if you've watched Agent Carter, if you've I mean, after a while, you start to forget where you've picked up varied and sundry points of plot. Which, which, which movie did that come yeah. from? Which show did that come from? You know, um, not to mention all the crap that's happening in Hell's Kitchen. Oh yeah, you know that's like ten square blocks of New York. It's not that big, but there's a no. lot of shit going down. It's a, it's a, it's a death trap. We better not. You know, I, I have no intention of going to Hell's Kitchen ever. You know. <laughs> In the terms of Daredevil season two, it's a war zone. <laughs> well, it's on my list episode. to watch too. I've got to see Daredevil season two. I saw most of the first season, but mm-hmm. I haven't gotten as far as the second season yet. Anyway, but that's not what this show's about. No. Well, we have we've touched on almost every main cast actor of season one, uh, except for Clark Gregg, who is always solid. All right, I yeah. just you kind of watch the show for him. Pretty much. Colson makes the show. Car Greg makes the show. Uh, listeners, if you're wondering, yes, that is a cat occasionally purring into Amy's microphone. Every evil lair needs a cat. I'm sorry, but that's how it works. Occasionally, it just gets really loud. Just this. I'm trying to keep him away from the mic, but he's trying to chew on the iPad. Okay, that's really what's going on there. All right, so let's move on to the comic book section. We're going to talk about some comic book characters that showed up in season one for a little bit, um, and they premiered pretty much on this show. A lot of background S.H.I.E.L.D. characters showed up, um, and a few Elektra characters, believe it or not. Um, So first of all, we're going to talk about Victoria Hand. Uh who was the shield agent that I believe Grant Ward murders at one point. Um, She had the pink stripe through her hair. She's played by someone with the, either the last or the first name Saffron. I don't, I don't remember if that's her first uh, Saffron Burroughs. Yes, that's it. Um, (laughs) But Victoria hand premiered in invincible Iron Man number eight in 2008 by Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato. 
Uh, she was an accountant for S.H.I.E.L.D. that openly spoke against Nick Fury's methods on war and terror. War on terror, not and terror. <laughs> this caused her to be pushed down the totem pole until control of S.H.I.E.L.D. was given to Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin. And she was promoted to deputy director of the newly christened Hammer, which was S.H.I.E.L.D. was transformed into. And her first responsibility was to find an acronym for that name. As one does when one's trying to brand things. Yes. yes. They, they just made Hammer, but they didn't make it stand for anything, which is ironic, which is kind of what Hammer was. Osborne's tenure didn't last long because he's crazy. Uh, and she found a spot in the new shield run by Captain Steve Rogers before she was possessed by Daniel Drum. Here's what things get a little complicated. A spiteful brother of Brother Voodoo, the second master of mysticism after Doctor Strange retired and was killed by Drum in the astral plane. A statue of her was made to stand in the Avengers mansion and Captain America always refers to her as one of us. That whole storyline makes me think that the writers were on something, but I, you know, moving on. Yeah, it was the dark rain time when Osborne was kind of in control of the United States government, sort of a mirror of when Lex Luthor became president in D.C. And things just got a little bit, everything got creepy um, and just shady all over the place. And Hand was just a big part of that storyline. And then they decided to keep her around for a bit after it ended and eventually kill her off. Uh, kind of like they did with the show. Well, yeah, and you know, they always do tend to kill off the cool female characters, but we've had that talk before. (laughs) Uh, Next character is Eric Koenig? Koenig? K-O-E-N-I-G? The Koenig? Koenig. 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 Uh, This is Patton Oswalt's Oswalt's first character in the show. Uh, he premiered in Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos, number 27, in 1966 by Stan Lee and Dick Ayers. Eric was a pilot and one of the original Howling Commandos. I don't remember how. I think it was a secret governmental age slowing serum or something like that. But the Howling Commandos, such as Nick Fury, Dino Manelli, Dum Dum Dugan, uh, and of course, Eric Koenig. K- Koenig I don't the OE sound escapes me it's just all it is I've always pronounced that Koenig and no one has ever corrected me on it Koenig suddenly it's a U sound yep Um, I don't know why uh, but they all survive into the 21st century alright I I don't remember that there's a coherent explanation for why they're all still alive even though they were active in World War 2 and uh, Koenig is still a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it transforms into Hammer. A lot of these characters deal in the Dark Reign storyline because that's when a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. stories came out. Uh, not a lot, but like more than usual. <laughs> it's not that interesting of a group, unfortunately. Uh, and it tra- when it transforms into Hammer and he stays and remains in Hammer uh, when it reverts back to S.H.I.E.L.D. He dies in a battle against Hydra forces. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, Patton Oswald plays both Sam and Billy Koenig, uh, who are not comic book characters and claim to be the brothers of the now deceased Eric Koenig. We're dealing with we're two in a row for characters that Grant Ward has shot in the face. 
Um, and uh, it is hinted at that they might actually be S.H.I.E.L.D. LMDs, the brothers, which stand for Life Model Decoys. And these are a big trope in S.H.I.E.L.D. storylines because essentially they're really lifelike androids that are used a lot to create dramatic bait and switch scenarios. Uh, They cannot count... uh, I cannot count the amount of times Nick Fury should have died, but an LMD took the hit instead. Can I have a life model decoy to teach for me some days? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of them. That would be really great. That would... (laughs) I would have so much time to do research <laughs> if I didn't have to create papers. Oh, I mean, just to sign that twin LMD, that'd be so awesome. All right, moving on to the next character, Glenn Talbot, played by Adrian Pastar. And this is not the first time Glenn Talbot has shown up in media, live action. Josh Lucas played a version of him in the 2003 Ang Lee Hulk movie. Um, but that was really not Glenn Talbot character. That was just a business character with given the name Glenn Talbot for some comic book name drop effect. But this version, uh, the, a bit more true to the character premiered in tales to astonish number 61 in 1964, Stanley and Steve Ditko, uh, alongside the Hulk. So major Talbot, is often seen as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross's right-hand man. And you all know Thunderbolt Ross is the main guy hunting down the Hulk. He is a diehard patriot with a vendetta against the Hulk. He is the first enemy to discover that Dr. Bruce Banner actually transforms into the Hulk, which only fueled his rage even further because he knows Betty Ross, Thaddeus' daughter, is in love with Bruce, and Glenn himself is in love with Betty, triangle of love and stuff which never works out for the female pointing that out again (laughs) yeah totally did not here we go ready for this um this was the dynamic for years but for a time he did manage to marry betty ross but after he sent the hulk to a subatomic universe that was the last straw and she divorced him uh He died in 1981 fighting the Hulk in Japan. Later, it appeared he was apparently resurrected only to actually have his head ripped off by General Ross, now the Red Hulk, and discover he was an LMD who didn't even know he was an LMD the whole time. I feel like cueing some like soap opera organ music here, like dun dun dun, you know, something like that. Yeah, someone needs an eye patch. Uh, there needs to be some jail scenes, uh, a betrayal. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of that going on in the Hulk, right? Right. Totally. Uh, and in case you're wondering, Betty Ross eventually develops breast cancer. Um, not breast cancer, cancer in general from longtime uh, exposure to the Hulk, but not really. Uh, and then I think she's back now as Red She-Hulk, so that. Apparently, the Ross family turns into Red Hulks instead of Green Hulks. Oh, gamma radiation in the Marvel Universe. So exciting. You could really use it for anything you wanted as a writer, is my impression <laughs> about gamma radiation. And it's oh. been fun. You know, you read fan. I, I read fan fiction. This is not a secret to any of our listeners. And so 
Uh, it's it's interesting to read some of those those pieces about trying to make gamma radiation logical within a plot. Oh. It's hilarious to try to f- try to figure out how to make gamma radiation logical and 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 you know make it work with all the things it's credited with doing. It's like this magical mysterious substance that's you know it just it's a plot device. That's what yes. it is. Let's talk about the genetic recombiner that gave Spider-Man his powers. Or cosmic radiation. Um, <laughs> Stan Lee loved making shit up. All right. Next character, Deathlock. Premieres in Astonishing Tales number 25 in 1974 by Rich Buckler and Doug Mensch. Now, Deathlock is portrayed by J. August Richards, and the name of his character is Mike Peterson. There have been three characters that have held officially the Deathlock title, um, none of them being Mike Peterson. You had Luther Manning, Michael Collins, and Hunter Hayden. And really, Mike Peterson does not fit the mold of any of those characters. So Deathlock is mostly a themed character, right? Because he gets replaced pretty often. And the theme of that is that they're all reanimated soldiers Restored to sentience in a in an um, in an amalgamated body of man and machine. Oh, they're Frankenstein. Yes, they're they're cyborg zombies, pretty much. Um, they're they're Frankenstein with some upgrades. Sci-fi sci-fi Frankenstein. Um, the first one, Luther Manning, was from a post-apocalyptic alternate future. The second dealt with corporate scandals and later explored the human mind and metallic skin theme of just like, am I real? Am I not? Uh, What part of me is real? Sort of what the new RoboCop movie did in spades. And then the third one, he was just kind of a guy. He was just a sleeper agent, really. Uh, He didn't even know he was Deathlock. But Deathlock is a character of a man not in control and forced to kill people for someone else. And they revisited that frequently in the television show. Um, It's similar themes in a weird way to Jessica Jones in that the source is the only thing that's different. The source of control of who's controlling what and how is the ethics of limitations of technology in Deathlock's case versus the psychology of abusive relationships in Jessica Jones's case. I just think that's an interesting comparison is that they're both dealing with manipulation, but in two very different ways, but relevant. Well, and, and let's not forget Deathlock's character is really, you know, as a, as a Frankenstein archetype, it, it's, it's a, he really represents mankind's fears of what we could become without the ethical uh, sort of trappings we put on science mm-hmm. um, and the concern that the general general public might have under, you know, underscoring new trends in technology. Are we really going to become something beyond what is actually human, which was Mary, Mary Shelley's theme when she wrote Frankenstein, Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, back in the day. By she, the way, she, yes. <laughs> Frankenstein is a book so different than the very famous Universal Studios film. Because <laughs> um, in the book, Frankenstein was a very intelligent monster, 
And in the movie, he's sort of portrayed as like the dumb, lovable, misunderstood monster, right? Burn him at the windmill. But in the book, he was a calculated killer with revenge against Dr. Frankenstein. My favorite version of Frankenstein, young Frankenstein. <laughs> Putting on the... Uh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And now we're moving on to the last character on the list, John Garrett, a.k.a. the Clairvoyant. And real quick, in case you're wondering, none of the main S.H.I.E.L.D. cast members originated in comic books. They're all original characters. And all the minor villains I didn't really want to touch on, like Scorch. Uh, I definitely didn't want to touch on Scorch. And Graviton is kind of sort of in there. But these are the important ones. The big one, John Garrett, a.k.a. the Clairvoyant, premiered in Electra Assassin number 2 in 1986 by Frank Miller and Bill Sankiewicz. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Struggle with these names sometimes. John Garrett is largely an Electra side character. He was a member of the CIA before joining an organization consisting of special ops agents around the globe called Zodiac. Once that dissolved to inner because of inner betrayal, um, and after injuries sustained in a confrontation with Electra, he later became 80% cyborg and vowed vengeance against Miss Nachos. Electra's last name, FYI. Uh, that didn't work out because she was able to hypnotize him and convince him that he was a presidential candidate named Ken Wind, who was actually possessed by a mythical be uh, beast that was being that is worshipped by a ninja clan. Frank Miller had some very odd storylines sometimes. So he gets shut down and put in storage <laughs> after all of that. And resurfaces every once in a while in various Electra and S.H.I.E.L.D. stories. He has very little relation to his TV counterpart outside of the whole cyborg thing, which they've just sort of compiled with the USA Deathlock Project slash Project Centipede slash Hydra mixture that is the somewhat convoluted plot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one. Um, and I just have to say, <laughs> I was researching John Garrett and I do that through like Marvel Wikia and Wikipedia. The Wikipedia article did not use pronouns. It was so annoying to read because <laughs> it was just John Garrett does this at the beginning of every sentence. John Garrett, John Garrett, go ahead and read it. I don't think anyone's changed it yet, but oh, I was about, I'm just going to edit this real quick. I'm just going to, just going to go in there because I just couldn't handle it. That that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Why we still don't trust Wikipedia that much. Oh, how many times has Sinbad been killed since Wikipedia got started? Sinbad? Oh. He's still alive, but he's been killed off on Wikipedia like four times. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just before oh. it is dead. Yes. Oh, but that is all. I have for comic book characters and discussion for season one, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Not a whole lot happened. Um, and there is a, if you're, if based the message of, of season 
one, if you're looking for some entertaining Marvel stories, is you either stomach through those first 16 episodes um, and wait until Bill Paxton and BJ Britt show up to make that show mm-mm good, or you just you skip right ahead. Or you don't watch it at all because you don't really have to do a damn thing. But why are you listening to this podcast if you didn't watch the show and don't give a shit about it? Hmm. So I kind of think I'm not talking to the right audience with that one. But let's move on to Miss Lauder's section, which is cultural discussion. Let's freeform. Go ahead. What topics do you want to go? (laughs) Well, um, first of all, you know, one of the things that's interesting, actually, in sort of in a landmarky kind of way about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the television show, is that it, it marks one of the first forays into a kind of a crossover universe with major motion pictures. I was thinking about this topic while we were getting ready for the show, and I realized the only other show I can think of that is even similar, that has done something, besides like the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which kind of don't count with the Terminator stuff, because it's just, eh, is Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, any excuse to talk about Star Trek, honestly, but there's this huge um, universe there that started out as television and then went to motion pictures um, and then went back to television. And there's a, a really great uh, documentary called Captains on the Bridge that sort of or Chaos on the Bridge that that sort of talks about the process of starting Star Trek The Next Generation and how they wanted it to be different from the motion pictures. And yet there's still a lot of crossover and there's still a lot of references and they still bring in cameos, um, the original players in. And of course, now that we've got the alternate original series going on, um, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with that too, but nothing is truly new in that sense. Um, Cause Star Trek did it first. I think we could probably <laughs> say okay. that about a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. Cause that was, that was the, the, the question posed, right? Yeah. Is, is there another television series that directly references major motion pictures in the television show as if they are part of a connected universe? Because there's plenty of television shows that are spinoffs of movies Mm -hmm. um, or sequels to films. For some reason, the top thing that pops into my head is Ozzy and Drix, which was (laughs) the television show that took place directly after the movie Osmosis Jones. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. I've never heard of it, but okay. Um, well, there's a bunch of those Disney. That wasn't Disney, but Disney television shows like Tarzan, the animated series, Hercules, the animated series, uh, sure. Little Mermaid. And, you know, and there's a lot that goes the other direction too, where we've got you know Beverly Hillbillies, the TV show, and now let's do a motion picture. Then we've got Dark Shadows, the very creepy vampire-based soap opera um, <laughs> that was you know had a revival in television in the early 90s and then became a you know a feature film starring johnny depp Mm -hmm. you know we we there's a there's there's a lot of you know sort of retooling and repurposing and um so forth that goes on uh well it has been going on for quite some time when we've got audiences that are are looking for something sort of nostalgia e i think that's a word Mm -hmm. um and they're looking for a story that they're kind of familiar with, but they're looking for something fresh about it. And, and you know, of course, bottom line is it's about money. So a lot of the the uh, the studios are looking for stuff that they can put together, big pictures that will make them a lot of money at the box office. So they're going to try and true material. So they're going to reinvent something like Beverly Hillbillies. They're going to reinvent 
something like Superman, which is, I, I lost count of how many movies we've got for Superman now. Uh, depends uh, on what you want to count as a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And quality. I mean, and we've got, um, you know, today a lot of superhero things going on, um, partially because it's a cultural response to greater tension within the global political structure. I mean, in the real world, mm-hmm. but, um, partially because it, it sells people, people like the superhero concept. There's still a, you know, good versus evil thing going on there. And we're almost always guaranteed that good's going to win in the end. And that's comforting. <laughs> it's actually really comforting for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm kind of irritated that DC's sort of jumping on the Marvel universe um, with this Batman versus Superman thing. And uh-huh. all of these movies that are starting to come out with the justice league or they're, they're kind of in, you know, kind of on tap. I have not seen Batman versus Superman. My husband went to see it last Friday. He said, it's going to irritate you, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a general consensus. <laughs> there's parts to like, there's parts to isn't. Uh, we're definitely, we've uh, we talked about that on a previous episode. Yeah. Um, but, but the question with this whole crossover thing is, um, why? Uh, okay, we can stop the question right there. Why? Uh, <laughs> Right, because right. It, it you 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 described it as the nostalgia and the and generating revenue, but you can go more people are going to go see a movie than um probably a television show, or like your audience is going to be bigger for a movie than it is a television show, simply because of options and like there's a lot more television shows you can watch versus movies at a certain point in time, um so. Is it easier to go from a movie and create a television show, a spinoff? In this case, it's going at the same time as the television franchise, which is sort of new, except for Star Trek did it. Um, (laughs) But when you go the other direction, and we've seen the other direction doesn't really work, right? When you go from television series to motion picture with examples such as X-Files, or um, Firefly to Serenity was there's a whole documentary on how that movie got made and how much it tanked at the box office. Well, you know, I, I think part of this agents of shield is just pure indulgence to be frank. And mm-hmm. it's indulgence for writers because there's just a lot more story they wanted to tell there. And it's not going to get into the main Avengers movies. And I don't know how they pitched it to to the studios to get the television show made. But I imagine part of the argument was that, hey, we can fill in some of these story gaps that are evident in the big films. We can give people more story, more backstory, more stuff for them to, to understand and give them that nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Easter eggy sort of feeling that we get when we go to see an Avengers film. We're always waiting for the end credit and what's the next clue. Right. And Agents mm-hmm. of Shield sort of provides some of that what's the next clue stuff for that bigger universe. So there's actually a lot of potential for, for integrated marketing there and for building a bigger audience for both the television show and the movies uh, and the comics. I wouldn't be surprised if there's been an upturn in um, circulation for the comics with this, this, this surge in Avenger marketing, really. Um, so, so you as a, as a cultural professor who's been around the block – a few times I got to ask like, cause this show barely intersects with the major motion pictures. 
Um, and when it does it, it seems like it's obligated to do it, right? It's just yeah. name dropping. Um, like the characters don't actually show up. They haven't gotten any big stars to show on the show. Um, and so I ask, do you see that as an, an improvement on a show? Or is it the fact that you can interconnect these two things? Or do you see that as like, that's just going to confuse people and specifically in the way they've done it, it looks corporate-y. You know what I mean? Like it it's does just- look corporate-y. And I think that they've missed a real opportunity there, frankly. Because I, I think there's a lot of potential for buttressing the storylines, as I said. And there's a lot of potential for giving more of that bigger Avengers picture, universe picture, uh, in the television show uh, and inviting people into that world on a weekly basis really seems like a great idea, but they're totally dropping the ball on it uh, by not in providing <laughs> and in season one, by not providing the kinds of details that people actually tuned in hoping they'd see in that first season. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's frank. what it was pitched as right. Agents yeah. of field. Like it collides with the battle of New York. Exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't until really it had to collide with Captain America Winter Soldier and actually take a huge turn in the whole premise of the show that you started to like drama actually started to happen. <laughs> well, and that's when I tuned back into Agents and Shield. Actually, I think I mentioned I quit watching about, about episode 17. But when I saw uh, Winter Soldier and I saw that Agents of Shield was going to tackle that, I tuned back in because I wanted to know. You know how how that fallout, how that was going to fall out in the in the in the rest of that universe, and that's where we got that story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where we got that story was through the television show, and it hasn't really. Well, I imagine we'll see some of that in the the Civil War movie coming up, but um, and we did see some of it in that in Age of Ultron too. You know, the 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 uh, backlash um, with Hydra, okay. but uh, a lot of the real boots on the ground storytelling was through the television show. So that's where they, they did pick it up there. Now, would you want to see any of these character members appear in a motion picture? Or do you think at this point, like they're the, I mean, they say they're colliding and intersecting, but they're really two very different things. You know, I would love to see Ming-Na in anything. She's a fantastic (laughs) actress. And I think she's really underutilized not just in agents of shield, but in any role she's been in, she's been underutilized because she's just, she's just a great actress. And I think that I'd love to see her in the major motion picture. I think of the characters that are available on agents of shield, it's her. And of course, Coulson, they're the, they're the two that, that would, would end up in an Avengers movie, I suspect. Um, well, they have yet to really break the news in a way to that. Coulson's alive to the characters. It affected when Coulson died. <laughs> Which is just a huge oversight and just frankly cruel to the yeah. characters. If you you know if you really want to put yourself into it, it's just cruel to not tell them that he's actually alive. Yeah, yeah. The why has that not been brought up? I feel as if that could have been a part of the party scene. Oh no, well because Jackson's AWOL. So we the only because he's like technically the only person that knows he's still alive except for everybody in Shield. Yeah, and Fury uh, hasn't been around, so he can, and he's the one who's the Avengers' main point of contact, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be Colby Smulders, right? At this point, because in uh, 
No, he came back. Jackson he came, came back. back in Ultron, yeah. In Ultron. It's so hard to keep track, honestly. Uh, and he could have just slipped it into dialogue somewhere. You know, oh, and by yeah. the way, Colson's still alive. See ya. I mean, whatever. It would have worked. <laughs> uh, well, <Quicksilver laughs> Not that you don't have dead. enough to deal with right now, but let me just really mess with your heads and tell you that. Just slip it right in that conversation. Uh, see, yeah, there's a there's a few fun things about Age of Steel. Let's not harp on it all that bad. Because um, like we said, we love Migna. Um mm-hmm. Clark Gregg is as charming. He's exactly what you expect. All right. Yes. And that is what you wanted in the first place. So there you go. Um, the actors were not given much to work with in the first season until closer to the end when, again, drama actually started happening. A lot of the conflicts in the first 16 episodes are very bland, um, episodic. They don't really move anything anywhere. Everything just sort of resets itself week by week. And that's not kind of the show you want for this topic, right? Because the movies are moving forward. Why is the show not moving forward? And eventually it does. And I can't say enough good things about Bill Paxton in this show uh, because he is a fantastic villain. Um, kind well, of confusing. Paxton, yeah. yeah. He's just fantastic too. Speaking of actors that are really underrated and really need more <laughs> green time. That would be another one. Kind of, kind of confusing his end goal, uh, but it didn't really matter. And we haven't even talked about Ruth Nega at all in this show, but she doesn't really show up a whole lot until season two, where she goes through a big change, yeah. a big change. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all, really. I think that's mostly covered it. Uh, because it's it's uh, the direct... You can talk about directing, but directing in television is very formulaic. Um, yeah. And there's not a whole lot of innovation going on. It's amazing what they try to do special effects-wise and that they managed to pull off a lot of it because I don't believe they have that big of a budget for this show, but they're still pulling out some really nice special effects every once in a while. Um, I mean, this was the most impressive until flash. Well, and I, and I know there's not a huge budget for special effects, but I have to say that the software and the, and in the, in the uh, cameras and, and there's, there's been a lot of major advances in technology in the last 20 years or so that have made it increasingly easy and cheaper to do special effects for television. I was thinking, I'm thinking back to Charmed. So are you familiar with Charmed? Oh, yes. The television show Charmed. About angels? <laughs> or are they witches? <laughs> they were witches. Okay. Uh, Alyssa Milano and, um, oh my gosh, Holly Marie Combs and Shannon Doherty were in the first season. And Rose McGowan took over for one of them in the fourth season. So it was um, a theme song that went, Aah. Yeah, that's the one. And Julian McMahon was in it too at some point. Michael Weatherly was in it at one point. I mean, it was just, it was, you know, kind of like my, it was, it was cool. Anyway, I love the show. But one of the, what was I talking about? Oh, special effects. They were always blowing people up and, 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 you know, and it it just always took so much money that, and they blew their budgets in like the first half of the season. So the second half of the season, someone would lose their powers. So they couldn't blow anything up anymore. (laughs) Stuff like this, you know, and I I can't help but think that, you know, techs come a long way and I don't think they'd have to have made those storyline changes in charm. Mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, if, 
they'd had the tech that we have available today. And that yeah. was completely a tangent. I know it was, but my point is <laughs> <laughs> special effects, much less expensive. And it's a good thing. Agents of shield is using the tech to their yeah. advantage. There you go. Cause yeah. Cause this isn't uh this isn't a CW show. Uh, no, this is an not. ABC show. All right. And so ABC has a that. Yeah, a little bit more money because um, they own the CW. No, CBS owns the CW. I'm sorry. Uh, so, but either way, ABC has a little bit more money. Disney, um, owns ABC. Disney is their, yeah, their, is their is their sugar daddy. And uh, but but another thing to to like the formula of Agents of Shield, right? Is you mentioned Michael Weatherly, and I went, oh, that's right. Agents of Shield is Marvel's version of NCIS. Um, it totally is. Yes, it with is. With aliens. Yep, it's NCIS with aliens. And that explains so much. You've totally reframed my whole understanding of this program now. Yeah, until they realized, like, the same NCIS were not watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, they were targeting that really big NCIS market because NCIS is, like, the, one of the number one programs on television for some reason it is well it's because it's airing globally somewhere around the world every minute of every day yeah i'm not a fan let's just get that out of the way (laughs) once michael weatherly leaves at the end of the season i'm probably gonna stop watching (laughs) paula peretti isn't doing it for you no Uh it's all about michael weatherly sorry that's true (laughs) mark mark Harmon's stone face or every time he does that little hmm he just goes, hmm, and he just little people. His characters become a parody of himself, unfortunately, I think. But, well. CIS, my, CSI Miami. Never watched that. Uh, Again. Uh, the guy, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just, we're just going all over the place because it's network television, right? This is superheroes. Right. Is this the first time we see an, a comic book show on network television? Not even close. Not even close. Oh Not yes, because definitely Adventures of Superman. Um, and how Wonder about, Woman. How, Wonder Woman with Linda uh, Carter. Oh. Don't forget Linda Carter. We cannot forget. When was Linda that Carter. on? When I was a kid. No, like what? Uh, <laughs> that was definitely on CBS. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it was CBS or Warner Brothers has owned DC since like 1940, <laughs> and um, CBS. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is owned. That Wonder Woman with Linda Carter okay. in the title role. And how, about, how about how about how yeah. about modern TV? Like how there's like 500 channels, right? Is it the first time we're seeing a revisitation? <laughs> modern TV. I feel so old well, when you say this kind of thing. Modern, <laughs> like so so post cable introduction. You're talking about yeah yeah yeah. Like okay. when, right. when so like digital era 1984. Right. Yeah. Past yeah. the when we ditched analog. Past when we ditched analog. Two thousand eight. That's uh, <laughs> not that long ago. No, it isn't. <laughs> Barely, not even ten years. Nineteen eighty four forward. Well, we had the greatest American hero in there. Oh, okay. And, I suppose. Um, and Wonder Woman might have sketched that late eighty four. Seventy. Was she it. in the seventies? Oh, or very early 80s, because we were still playing Wonder Woman in the basement when I was like 11 and 12. So <laughs> that's gotta be that's gotta be early 80s. Like what about like 80s. the Secret of Isis and 
Oh no, Captain Marvel was way earlier. No, that was, Shazam. That was way earlier. You know, I think though we had a, a pretty long Clark? stretch there. Well, Lois and Clark was ninety four to ninety eight. Yeah, but was that on network television or was that on? It was on like, ABC. C- yeah. Well, there you go. That's what I'm looking yep. for. There you Lois go. And Lois and Clark. Smallville. Oh well, that's CW. I don't want to count that. Oh, okay, Lois and Clark though. Yes, definitely. ABC. Yeah. Because CW's got a, 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 a not a tremendous, but a significantly smaller and uh, more direct audience than network television. I would say so. I'd agree with that. Um, but yeah, Lois and Clark was definitely on on uh, network television. And in, in fact, one of the rumors that has never been confirmed is the reason Lois and Clark went off the air uh, was because Disney bought out ABC and they didn't want to see the rival uh, superheroes on the channel. They wanted the, to get rid of it. The rival superheroes? Well, I well Disney bought it out, and they were thinking it was a Warner Brothers production, and they didn't want it um, oh. on, the, on the air. They they weren't going to support it. It was, oh. it was a competitive thing. Okay. Oh, it's because it was run on ABC. Yeah. See, this is hard to, you got to keep track of all your acronyms, right? You do. Cause... Disney bought ABC. Mm-hmm. Lois and Clark was a Warner Brothers production, and the rumor mm-hmm. is that they kicked that right off the air because they didn't want to. CBS didn't want to buy it. Yeah. Well, no, that's why it only went for one of the reasons it only went four seasons. It ended on a cliffhanger. People were not happy. They did not even get married. They did too. Oh, that's right. Mythical mountaintop somewhere. It was sort of. That's right. (laughs) They were supposed to have a kid though, weren't they? They were like next season was going to be a kid. Yeah, that was the plan. Uh, You, you wrote a paper on it. You, I did. You, can you got a master's degree out of that show. I did, uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, get a master's degree um, out of that show. My my master's thesis is Converging Cultures, Television, the Internet, and the Fans of Lois and Clark. It's available through Interlibrary Loan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've read it, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> for, for all the listeners out there, you know, there'll be this big uptick and <laughs> people who want to read this thesis and, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're going to try and put that on the website. <laughs> Not I mean, Enjoy there's going to be a scholarly work section. I wrote a paper on Captain America. Schmo wrote a paper on The Dark Knight. And we're going to try and get, Amy, your paper on Lois and Clark fans. Not the actual show, mind you, the fans of the show. Keep that what in mind. I really love, what I really love is that the scholarly works are going to be right above the drinking games. Yes, of course. Of course. Uh, so I think we're good. Because speaking of drinking games, all you really need to do is take a drink for every name drop. Because that's all you need. Because there are so many name drops in this television show. Yeah. At one point, they're just like Fitz is giving a speech or Simmons is giving a speech. Again, indistinguishable. I think they were both giving the speech and I just can't remember. Um, <laughs> and they're like, we're part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hydra, aim. So like the evils of Shield, Hydra, aim. I don't remember. She was just going on and on, like Thor, Captain America, Tony Stark, and you're like, shut up. <laughs> we get it. You're connected. Yes, you're a name dropper. We understand. Hey, this is this. I'm totally going to ruin my superhero street cred now. But what does aim stand for in the superhero comic universe? Advanced Idea Mechanics. Thank you. Every time I hear it, I think American Indian Movement. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> and that gives me a completely different yep. understanding of that whole un- And by the way, there's probably a paper in that. <laughs> Maybe? Maybe. <laughs> you think that's like your catchphrase. Uh, <laughs> probably all right so that looks like it's going to wrap it up today super fans super movie studies is recorded and produced by Triop cop productions if you like what you hear show us your support by rating us on itunes we currently have 32 ratings and 33 would make it a dream wouldn't it oh man because dream yeah we the ratings, they just move us up, um, and it doesn't cost you a thing to rate us, and it's really, if you don't want to give money or anything, because this is a podcast, you just get free entertainment, you're used to getting free things in this world, just all you have to do is get back and just write, say, hey, good show, keep it up, that's all you gotta do, even if, you know what, I won't even take it in a rating, tell you what, you just email us, at supermoviestudies at triopcop.com. You email us whatever you want to say. Um, that's a that's a more professional way to get a hold of us. If you want to uh, write a long letter of some form, uh, ask to be on the show, or like volunteer your talents in any way, shape, or form, we're still looking for that to make connections, network with people. Um, but if you just want to say some some silly things, make a couple jokes in the public eye. We have our Twitter as well, Super M Studies. Twitter Tom is your main man. He runs it. You know he does, and you know he loves hearing from you. So send him a tweet. Tell him he's awesome and that you like the show and that we should keep on going because that's what I need right now, guys. I need some motivation because it's getting more and more difficult to schedule this damn show every week. (laughs) Isn't that right, Amy? That is so right, Michael. We, we had a rough time getting this scheduled this week, but it was fun to, to hang out again as usual. Uh, it always is a treat. Thank you again so much for being here, Dr. Lauders. You are welcome. Always fun. Um, but that's going to do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. With Amy Lauders. Oh, you didn't do the full title this time. I did it. Dr. Amy Matson Lauders. There it is. Okay. I was like, ah, oh, you're breaking form. I'm, right. I don't know what to say next. You didn't do what you usually do. I'm freaking out. Um, but that'll do it today. <laughs> I keep saying that. <laughs> We're done. Thank you. Have a super week. Uh, Captain America, Iron Man 4. Sure. There's a man who leads a life of danger. To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. Every move he makes, another chance he takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Secret 